So I thought I was good at money because I thought that making a lot of money meant that you were good at money. It's like, no, actually, um, the more money I made, the more reckless my spending was, the more I couldn't figure out where it was going. And the more I was just convinced that like, okay, I guess that just means I need to make a little bit more. And I really had to like unprogram that because I kept finding myself even earning six figures as an engineer, like still being 10, $15,000 in credit card debt. My name is Kat Del Carmen. I'm a wife, mama, and business coach to badass women. Here's the thing. So many of us were raised to believe that a college degree and a nine to five job is the only road to success. I'm here to tell you it's not. On this show, we're going to keep it real. I'm going to challenge you to think differently, take action before you're ready, and show up as your future self. We'll talk about business, growth, mindset, and the tough stuff in life. My guests will inspire you and give you insight to what is possible. So if you want to start an online business, I'm here to teach you. Welcome to the Follow That Fear podcast. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the Follow That Fear podcast. I'm so grateful you are here with us today. A lot is moving and shaking in my life. I'm not going to get too much into it, but I am recording this in January. It's going to publish in February, probably like mid to end February. And there's just so much going on. I am really excited for the year. I've decided to focus on one on one coaching throughout the next six months, which is a big deal to me because I'm a person who like likes to do a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. But I really decided to like really focus on my craft. And if I want to be an amazing coach, if I really want to help people grow out of this mindset that like what we want isn't possible and really start making real money and help people do that, I know that I I really got to focus on my craft. So that's what I'm doing. And that's what I've decided for at least the next six months and possibly the whole year. Uh, but I do plan on investing a lot of time and effort into creating resources and content for my one-on-one clients so I can help them become amazing coaches and help them have success in their businesses. So that's happening with me. It also, here's the thing too, it also frees up time for me to also live my life with my husband and my son. I think the best thing about January was the realization that I could make a lot of money and also spend time with my family. Like for me, that was mind blowing. And now I'm like, I want to help everyone make lots of money and spend time with their family. Um, so that's, that's been a huge realization to me, but let's get into the content because I'm so freaking excited for today's guest. This woman is someone I look up to. She's someone who is incredibly badass and I just, I have a lot of love for her. So before we get into that, I want to remind you that if you've listened to the Follow That Fear podcast in the past, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. This is where my guests look to really understand the vibe of the show. So if you can share your thoughts about the podcast in a written review, that would mean so, so much. 
You can also give it five stars. If, if you're going to give it like two stars or three stars, you could just skip it. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding, but kind of, no, I'm not kidding actually. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. All right, y'all. Today's guest, I'm so freaking honored to have on the show. Her name is Janice Torres Rodriguez. She is the host of Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, and her personal finance journey began by accident. She was 25, living her AKA dream in graduate school, getting another degree she didn't even care about. And during that time, she had a quarter life crisis. She hated her job and was feeling like she wasn't living the life that she actually wanted. So she switched it up. Lots of things happened in between, but last year she blew up on Instagram. But here's the thing about blowing up on Instagram. She didn't blow up on Instagram by accident. She put the hard work to create amazing content that is helping her community make more money. I love this woman because she is so unapologetic about talking about money, about sharing her money journey. And everything that she has created for herself, I promise you, she worked really, really hard for. I honestly think that everything this woman does is like gold (laughs) because I'm such a fan of her. But she not only has this amazing podcast, she has an incredible blog that generates a lot of income for her. She has courses. She is teaching people how to make money in different side hustles. And I just, I just love this woman. She is so inspiring and she's teaching people how to make more money and to be more confident in their money journey. And I just appreciate her. Like she really is making a dent in our community, especially the Latinx community. Um, and I, I just have so much love for her. So today we're talking about a whole bunch of stuff, a lot about how to get started in investing and things like that. But we're also talking about money mindset and how her journey helped her build this empire that she is growing. So I can't wait for this episode. I know you are going to love it. Make sure to screenshot this episode, tag us both, and we will reshare. This is going to be an amazing episode. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) It's kind of a funny journey. Not not very linear at all. And I think most of our journeys are very not linear. especially when we just kind of start putting stuff out there and seeing what happens. But I'm born and raised in New Jersey, Puerto Rican, um, come from a loud, loving family, as many of us do. And food has always been at the center of my home. So I was in the kitchen, 11 years old, making full-on dinners. I've always loved the power of food to bring people together. And so I always felt like it's something that I wanted to do in some capacity. I went the very traditional route. I have Latino parents and their expectation is like, girl, you better go to college. You better get a good job because, um, you know, we ain't got nothing for you. So <laughs> I definitely did that. Uh, got a degree in molecular biology. I was intending to be a doctor. Um, and my junior year of college, I was like, this is not what I want to do. Like, I feel like I, up until that point, I kind of just been following the prescribed advice of what I should be doing. And it wasn't something that I really wanted to do and not something I could see myself doing. So I told my parents, I'm not going to medical school. I'm just going to start working, going to get into biotech, pharma, something with my science degree and see what happens. And I did that. So I got a job as an engineer out of school, 
doing the thing, making decent money, right? For, for a kid that, you know, grew up with layaway and like not a lot. I started making like $42,000 out of school and I was like, oh my God, I'm rich. Like, that's it. I've made it. So, you know, I've continued to progress in my career. I still work in the field up until this day. And um, around the age of 25, I really started having the typical like quarter life crisis. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I was in the middle of getting a master's degree, just got engaged, checking off all the boxes of stuff to do in life. And I was just horribly unsatisfied. And I used to go into work every day and be like, I really need to get fired. Like this, I can't do this anymore. And lo and behold, when you put things out in the universe, that happened. So uh, it was about six months after I got married, walked into work one day, nine o'clock meeting with HR, and I had 30 minutes to grab my stuff, basically. (laughs) That was it. Got laid off. And, um, you know, of course, you go through the regular motions of like, oh, my God, like what is happening But then I actually got home and I was like, girl, this is what you asked for. Like, you got time now to marinate on what you want to do. And so what I decided I wanted to do was, again, look back at my passion for food. So I started a food blog. I took a like a one hour course at a local cooking school in New York City about food blogging, which was kind of just like on the cusp of becoming something that was being seen as like a viable career for people, especially like stay at home moms and people just that didn't really want to follow the you know, nine to five grind. And I've grown it to the point that now in 2020, we've made over $50,000 passive income. Um, It's like just humming along on the internet, making money as this quote unquote business that I didn't even know I was starting at the time. So I always tell people that I'm definitely an accidental entrepreneur, had no intentions of owning a business had no idea what I was doing for a very long time, still kind of don't know what I'm doing, but I've become a lot more confident in my journey as an entrepreneur because I have just learned how valuable it is to just put yourself out there and see what happens. Yes. So do you still write food blogs? I do. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. Okay, well, tell us how Yo Quiero Dinero started, because that's like a whole (laughs) new chapter. Yes, it is a whole new chapter. And for the longest time, I really felt boxed into, I can only be a food blogger. And I think that was just like my, you know, scarcity mindset or whatever the hell they call it, just thinking like, you are an imposter if you're trying to be anything else, right? Um, And so as I have evolved in my entrepreneurial journey, I really started to understand the power of money and especially the power of earning money outside of your nine to five. And it's something that I like, I'm obsessed with talking about. I really want people to understand that like W2 life is not the only option y'all. Like you can definitely make a full on livable income on the internet, right from your living room, right from your bedroom, whatever. And so as I really continue to understand the power of money and how to make it, how to manage it, um, I really wanted to like find community and women who were Latinas talking about money, right? Because I, when I started learning more about business and just managing my money, I fell down the rabbit hole of podcasts. So I started listening to, you know, people like Susie Orman and uh, a couple other people, but I couldn't find anybody that was like Latina, millennial, who's talking about money, like as if money doesn't matter, as if money's not impacting all of us. It was very frustrating for me and I just wanted the voice. And so, girl, you know, I'm an engineer, so I'm literally programmed to solve problems and to meet needs 
that don't currently exist. And so that's kind of how I approached the podcast. I said, well, if the space doesn't exist, then I'm going to create the space. I'm going to find amazing people to talk to that are not white old men. And we're going to put their voices out there and we're going to normalize talking about money in our community. And so here we are. And, and you're killing it. Like, this is just amazing because one, <laughs> I can't believe you're a freaking engineer. Like you're a freaking science major. You're scientists yeah. at, at your heart. That's <laughs> wild. That's wild to me. I mean, it's only wild because I'm, I'm like not a good student. So to me, I'm like, dang, girl. <laughs> but that, you know, that actually makes sense because you're a smart woman. Like you are a super smart woman. And regardless if you're going through, you know, like you've built these accidental businesses. Um, it's clear because not only do you have the grit, but like you're, you're crazy smart and you know what you're doing. Like regardless of whether it feels like just intuition, it's clear that like you, you're just a smart woman. So Thank you. this all makes sense to me. <laughs> um, that is so, so dope. I, and also, sorry, I wanted to say one more thing. I love that you created this space. Cause I feel the same way when, cause you're a podcast listener. I'm a podcast listener. So before we started our podcasts, we were listeners and I felt the same way about digital marketing and entrepreneurship. Cause I was listening to Amy Porterfield and Jenna Kutcher and one chick I don't even like anymore. Cause <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and just a whole bunch of women who taught me a lot and I learned a lot and I'm grateful for it. But I was like, who, who is teaching our community about these things. Like, I don't think everybody knows that you can make hella money online and <laughs> it's not just, there's just nobody speaking our languages, talking about the things that are important to us, like family, like our parents' retirement, like the things we have to really deal with when we're, as we grow up and consider, especially when it comes to money. Absolutely. Did, did you always consider, so I hear this is off the question, not off the questions I asked, but do you, have you always considered yourself good with money? Cause I have a challenge with this because I've never, cons- and now I understand that this is like super limiting belief, but I've never considered myself good with money. That being said, I've been very good at negotiating salaries and getting what I want. I, you know, don't have a problem leaving a job if they're not going to pay me well. And I didn't know it at the time, but I've created my husband and I, and we're both like very much, you know, start from the bottom, like you, you know what I mean? We didn't grow up with like any type of like crazy wealth. Um, we made some decent decisions in our early twenties with, I, I, every time I didn't get money, salary that I wanted, I'd ask for stock and I didn't know. But at the time I was like, well, I want 5,000 in stock then, you know? That's and some baller ass shit. Cause I wasn't I, doing that. <laughs> I, well, I didn't, when I worked in tech, right. I was in the Bay area. So there's so much tech here. So now I'm like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> we, and my husband bought a house with $1,000 down payment in 2000. We were just starting the date. He was young and he used some program. He put $1,000 at, and we bought in Oakland in 2000, an apartment, a condo in Oakland in 2000, right after the recession, like before the prices started going up. And we got really, we're so grateful. We, we got really lucky and that changed mm-hmm. our lives because we were, we were able to buy our second house or our first house. I mean, we sold that one, bought a house that 
is now ours, but now that's rental property. So, and I know, I know you have your feelings about the, <laughs> the housing market, so we won't get into that, but this was also when the prices weren't or what they are today, right? Like right. this is when there was actual opportunity. Um, and so I've always never thought I was good at money, you know? So <laughs> yeah. how do you consider yourself like before you started talking about money? So I thought I was good at money because I thought that making a lot of money meant that you were good at money. It's like, <laughs> no, actually, um, the more money I made, the more reckless my spending was, the more I couldn't figure out where it was going. And the more I was just convinced that like, okay, I guess that just means I need to make a little bit more. And I really had to like unprogram that because I kept finding myself even earning six figures as an engineer, like still being $10,000, $15,000 in credit card debt and like booking vacations on credit cards and then not, you know, letting them sit there for six months and accruing interest and doing all the stupid stuff, taking out 401k loans to pay for my wedding. Like I was doing the most, doing all the things that somebody who's making that amount of money, like you should not be in a position to, to do that. And so I really didn't reshape my relationship with money until I found out about financial independence and early retirement. Um, and that was something that I found out about through podcasts. Cause again, ain't nobody who's like Latino talking about financial independence, about being work optional, about not having to work till you're 65, 70 years old. That's just not the message that we're getting, right? Our parents want us to get good jobs, get a degree. The degree is going to force us to work for 40 years to pay it off. Um, so it's kind of like we're being set up for this, um, system of oppression that's capitalism, like right off the bat. Um, and then when I yeah. found out about fire, I was like, oh, so instead of like just living paycheck to paycheck, making six figures, I can actually accelerate my savings and investing, be a little more mindful about where my money's going. And I can not work for the next 40 years. I can maybe opt out at age 45, age 50. And for me, that was the game changer. First, I am... I'm not a huge money person and I'm working on this. Okay. <laughs> but my husband is, and he, I've been telling him about the fire movement. Can you just quickly high level? What is the fire movement for my listeners? Sure. So the fire movement is this sub world, this like a subterranean world of personal finance, right? So it's kind of like a very niched community um, but I love the fact that as I uh, continue to grow in the space, I continue to meet more and more people who are not white men, because that's, you know, who started the movement, arguably. Um, and essentially, it's this concept where you calculate what your annual expenses are. So let's say you need $50,000 a year to survive. You make a goal to save 25 times that amount. So that's $1.25 million. And in order to do that, you save aggressively. You save upwards of 50% or more of your income, depending obviously on how much money you make and how much money you need to save. Uh, you invest it in the stock market, low cost index funds in vehicles like 401ks, IRAs, uh, 403bs, brokerage accounts, maybe even real estate. You can build passive income uh, streams like I'm doing to kind of lower the amount of money that you need to save if you know that you can consistently rely on that 
income that's coming in. And so by doing that and really accelerating your savings and investing, you can retire decades ahead of normal retirement age, which for most of us is around the age of 65 to 67. Let's talk about some of the technical terms that you mentioned, because those can be really intimidating for people that aren't used to finance or investing at all. And I won't even say just people who aren't used to investing. I have quite a bit of dollars in the stock market. And I feel like because I honestly asked for it without really knowing what the hell I was doing, even now I'm like, okay, like, I don't (laughs) even Like, like, what do like, I have? I don't know. It's yeah, fine. Like, I know the amount and it's great that it's growing, but I also am like, I should probably think differently about this and maybe like di- diversify or like sh- just figure things out. So yeah. can you, maybe before we get into the details, can you tell us about what were the first kind of, like, how did you even get into investing in general? So you learned about the fire movement and what were like the actual first dollars that you were like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to play around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before, you know, de- I would say a good decade before I found out about the fire movement, I was already an investor through a 401k at work, right? Because that's the first thing that you kind of encounter as a working adult. If you work for a major corporation, you usually get access to a 401k. And so the message that I got, you know, from HR was like, this is how you save for retirement. So I'm like, okay, I'll open one. Um, a lot of companies match a certain percentage of the income that you put in there. So I was like, hey, yeah, free money. Okay, whatever. Um, it's really hard to think about being like 65 years old at the age of 22. So I was not saving in any type of amount that would actually facilitate me retiring before the age probably of like 90 or 95. I was probably putting like 2 3% of my income. And that's definitely not what you need to do to actually retire. The, most experts say you should be saving anywhere between 20 and 30% of your income if you want to retire at normal retirement age, right? So if you're doing anything below that, probably good chance you're going to have to work in some capacity even after you start collecting social security uh, and retire, quote unquote. But yeah, so I became an investor. I had no idea what I was investing in. Uh, I just, you know, put the thing on auto invest 3%, whatever the company offers, and that was it. And I really didn't think too much of that. You know, I really saw my 401k almost as like a second savings account for a very long time. And that's why I fell victim to things like taking 401k loans where you can take a percentage of the money that you've invested and give yourself a loan. And then you pay it back at an interest rate. Then that interest rate is supposed to replace the returns that you would have made if you had left the money in the market. But it's a scam. Um, it's just a really good way to screw yourself when you're trying to really accelerate your investing goals. So I would definitely say stay away from the 401k loans. If you can't pay for whatever you're trying to pay for, save some money and wait. Um, I, like I should have done that. But um, when I found out about the fire movement, I had only a 401k at work. And then I started finding out about, uh, out about different investing vehicles that now I'm using to accelerate my investing. So one of the first ones was an IRA or an individual retirement account. And so what makes the big difference between an IRA and a 401k or an employer-sponsored plan is that with an IRA, you don't need to have a traditional employer. The I stands for individual. And so basically what that means is like you own the rights to that account. You open it under your name. It's not tied to your job. The only thing that you need is earned income. 
So what does that mean? So you can have a W-2 job and you can take money from that paycheck and put it in your IRA, or you can be a freelancer. You can be a 1099 worker. You can be a self-employed uh, person. You can be a gig worker. Any earned income that you are paying taxes on, you can use to put in an IRA. And so there's two main types that people use, and these are usually the first accounts that people open outside of a 401k. So the traditional IRA is you contribute pre-tax money, and that helps you in the now. For me, a traditional IRA helps me as a business owner because it helps lower my tax liability by sheltering some of the money that I'm making from taxes until I pull it out later when I'm retired. So if you want to lower your taxes, you use a traditional. Can, do you mind repeating that? So you said with a traditional RIA, the lower, can you repeat yeah. the taxes part? Yeah. So for a traditional IRA, you're contributing pre-tax dollars. Okay. So that lowers your taxable income in the year that you contribute. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. And yeah. then there's another one. So there's a Roth IRA, which is super popular. And I really encourage people who are younger, who are at the beginnings of their careers to really think about maxing out their Roth IRA. Like if you don't already have one, open one and max it out. You can only contribute $6,000 a year. So the reason why those accounts are so popular is because you use after-tax money and that's the last taxes you'll ever pay on that money. So it's going to grow in the market. It's going to compound across decades if you leave it there. And then when you go to take that money out, it's tax-free. So Wait, wait. Hold yeah. on. You said, <laughs> you said when you put it in, it's after-tax money. What do you mean by when, when you Meaning say that? Meaning that it's money that you already paid taxes on it. So it's going to be money that... Oh, okay. Yeah. You've already okay. paid your income tax and on it. And then... When you take it out, it, when you're whatever years old, 50, 60, whatever the age is. or It has to be 59 and a half okay, in, in normal retirement. Yeah. And a half. You don't pay any taxes? No, ma'am. Wow. And you don't pay taxes on the growth. So let's say that you invest $50,000 over your life in an IRA, you know, because you can only contribute a certain amount every year. If that account grows to a million dollars by the time you're 60, you're not paying taxes on that million. That's it. That's huge. That is huge. All right, guys. I hope you heard that. And if you didn't, go go uh, do a little 30 seconds. Go back a couple times and then repeat this because we're talking money today, okay? <laughs> this is really important. Wow. So is that what... So which one did you originally... You did the IRA? Yeah. So the first thing I did was I opened an IRA and I started contributing and maxing that out. Another account that I have access to through my employer is a health savings account or an HSA. And those accounts are also investing accounts and they are tied to high deductible insurance plans. So those are the plans that you don't pay a lot for your annual premium, but you pay out of pocket either $1,400 if you're single or as a family, I believe it's $2,800 somewhere around there before your insurance kicks in and starts paying for medical costs. So the way that they incentivize people to sign up for those is to tying the, those insurance plans to what's called an HSA. And this is an investment vehicle that you can save three ways on your taxes for medical expenses. So the first one is that, again, that money is contributed pre-tax. So it lowers your income for the year. The growth in that account is also tax-free. So you invest it, it grows, and then 
thirdly, when you withdraw that money for medical expenses, qualified medical expenses, and there's a whole list, like you can even buy like sunscreen and tampons with these accounts. Yeah. And it's tax-free, uh, tax-free money that you can use to make those purchases. Wow. So this is what I love about this conversation right now, especially because like I mentioned, like I don't feel, I feel like finance is just an area that I really need to like level up in, especially as I grow my business, I'm starting to have this other revenue and I'm like, damn, like I, these old money practices, I cannot repeat here. But what I, but you keep saying, which I think is really important for my audience to really just take a moment and listen is you're finding all these ways outside of investing, right? Like investing, duh, like that's good for you. But you're also finding all these like ways to save you money in the long term. Because when we hear like, oh, taxed a couple percent, it doesn't feel, it doesn't sound like that much. But when we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, like pre-tax or tax taking money out tax-free, like that's a lot of money that we are saving if we take advantage of these different like investing tools and ways that you can do things. So I just want to like make sure that my audience is hearing that like, I mean, you, you talked about multiple ways, like pre, you know, investing something money into your IRA, that's pre-tax. And then when you take it out, it's tax, um, lower tax liabilities after, right? And then right now with the meta, um, with HSSA, is that it? HSAs. HSAs. Um, there's just so many, I, I, sorry, you just like connected some dots for me. And I, I'm like, okay, I get it. We have to use every tool in the toolbox yeah. to, to save money. And when we save money, that means we're growing money. <laughs> like, well, and the thing is, you know, for someone like you, who is a full on entrepreneur, there's so many reasons why we should care about lowering our tax liability. And there's so many tools that we can do that because taxes are the biggest expense that any business owner or most people in general, they're going to spend more on taxes than anything else over their lifetime, even more than you pay for your home. I mean, you're going to pay taxes out the wazoo. So there are plenty of tools that the wealthy in this country use in order to save on taxes. And one that I definitely want to touch on as someone who talks to entrepreneurial communities is solo 401ks, y'all. If you haven't heard about a solo 401k, it is literally the type of 401k that your job offers you if you work, but you actually open it in your own business. So if you have an LLC, you can start your own 401k. And the beauty of these accounts is that first, you're only eligible if you and your spouse are the only employees for your company. You can't have additional employees. You can have 1099 contractors, whatever, but no other employees. And these accounts allow you to contribute in two ways. You can contribute as an employee, which you might know if you've seen, you know, your 401k at work, you have up to $19,500 a year that you can contribute as an employee, but you can also contribute as an employer. So you can pay yourself in two ways, save taxes in two different ways, and the employer contribution is up to $57,000 a year that you can save. So if you want to like pursue fire and you don't have an LLC, well, you better figure out a little side hustle that you want to start because that's going to accelerate your path and allow you to shelter a lot more money from taxes than a working person with a W-2 income can do. 
Because the reality of it is that America hates working people. Okay, the tax code says it, point blank period. We pay way more than taxes than corporations do, than small businesses do. Um, so why not take advantage of these, these systems that have literally been created to uh, protect wealth? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I've, you know, it's funny you say that because, I'm, you know, I'm in the beginning of my business and I'm just growing it. And as I see like money coming in and it's, you know, little by little growing, I'm like, oh shoot, like I really got to get on, on top of it. And I just spoke with um, an accountant maybe last month just to understand the basics. And you're so, so freaking right. And I also want to mention for people listening you don't have to be making like hundreds of thousands of dollars to start saving right now. I feel like there is a part of me, the, the, the part of me that's like in denial and wants to feel like, oh, it'll get figured out, right? Because that ugh, bad, bad habits. But I want to be clear that if you're listening to this and if you're making some money in your business, even if it's not this huge amount, your habits right now are setting you up to make to, to save you a lot of money in the future. So if you get your things in the row, you get your money in the right places, if you know where it's going and how it's getting, um, how it's getting split up right now, when you get to the point where you are in thriving in your business, that's how you want to set up. You don't want to wait until you have a lot of money. Cause that's when it gets really really scary. Like you don't, you don't want to mess with your money when you got a whole bunch of it. No, it's true. And, and that's something that I take into account every time I get paid for a gig uh, through my side hustles. Mm -hmm. First thing I'm doing, I'm putting aside a certain amount for taxes and I'm putting aside a certain amount for my savings and investing goals. So I really follow the pay yourself first mentality where you're paying your goals first and then you're going to figure out how to use the rest of what's left over to either reinvest in your business or to pay bills, or whatever it is that you need to do. But you should never approach either your personal budget or your business budget where you're spending the money and then trying to figure out where you're going to save later. Because you're going to end up spending all of it if you don't allocate uh, the first portion of whatever you get paid to accelerating your goals. I love that. Okay, quick question for you. How... Well, this is like more personal question, but if you, if you actually like your bank, I'm curious to know what bank you use because I just signed up finally for a business account. And God, it's embarrassing. My money was literally going into my checking account. I was like, that is so horrible. <laughs> so like at your personal checking? Yes. Girl, I did that for the longest. Don't feel ashamed. The okay? worst. <laughs> and I, I just started my business. So, I, you know, it's, I'm glad I at least got things moving. Cause the minute I saw money going in there, I was like, this is terrible. I'm getting sick. <laughs> um, what bank are you, what bank do you use? And do you like it? So I, I started my business while I was still living in New Jersey. And so I did a lot of research and I found that like small community banks tend to have free business accounts, whereas the big, okay. you know, conglomerates of banks don't. So I use a really local bank called Unity Bank based out mm -hmm. of New Jersey. And, um, they, you know, everything's online these days. So I yeah. have been able to keep my account um, very hands-on customer service and I don't pay any fees. That's the most important thing. Okay. When you're looking at business accounts, don't go with anybody who's going to charge you to, to have like a minimum balance. They're going to require you to have $10,000 or they're going to yeah. charge you fees because obviously you're just starting out. Yeah. So 
there's also a lot of like online only business banks now that are popping up. And mm-hmm. as long as they're FDIC uh, insured, which is the mm-hmm. federal agency that insures deposits in banks, you're good to go. Even if you don't know them from anybody that's using them, uh, that's a safe way to know that you're putting your money somewhere that, that you don't have to worry about. Here's the deal. If you are launching something for the first time, or if you are launching something soon and you don't have some type of plan around it, I want to help you. I have a launch toolkit training that is going to give you a high level launch strategy so you can really take the time to plan out your launch. If you are doing the work to actually launch something, you have to put the effort into launching it with intention. So if any of this resonates with you, I want you to go to www.catdelcarmen.com slash launch toolkit training. This training is going to help you get clear on what direction you should go to launch your thing. Can't wait to see you inside. Got it. Thank you. Okay. So for, let's talk about side hustles a little bit. Um, you have so many side hustles. I need more fingers at this point. Here is the thing. I always was intimidated so here, I was always intimidated by side hustles because a couple things I realized, and this is very personal to me when I was very focused on money, it didn't keep me excited enough. Like I would just give up because I needed to have like something that was really purposeful behind it. At that time, when I was trying these side hustles, I didn't have the intention to save money and to grow wealth. Right. Like, I feel like that is a hundred percent a huge purpose. So that's why I started my coaching business because I was like, I want to help people. That being said, I want to be super clear to my audience. Sure, I talk about business growth. I talk about personal growth a whole bunch. But there are so many ways you can start side hustles that can be future businesses. Or if you don't want a freaking business and you want to have your happy nine to five getting a nice hefty paycheck, well, which I promise you, I miss those. <laughs> those just recurring uh, paychecks in your bank. There is zero problem with that. Like you do you boo. Right. And let's talk about side hustles. People who want to build on the side while they kind of figure out what they want to do. Um, what do you think are the easiest uh, entryways into side hustles? Because you're so freaking experienced in so many. Yeah, that's a great question. And I get that a lot. Now, the side hustles that I've built are not the type that it's like you turn on a switch and you start making money. Yeah. And so I think it's really important. Like, what is your goal? You need to understand what you're trying to accomplish. Are you just trying to make some extra money or are you trying to change the world? Because mm-hmm. those are going to be two different ambitions Exactly. and you're going to have two really different game plans and strategies for uh, what you're trying to do. Right. If you need a side hustle, like you can start you know, downloading an app and walking dogs or delivering Uber or something like those are side hustles, right? And those are immediate. Are they like super satisfying? Are they going to make you feel like, you know, you're contributing something to society? I don't know. If you really love dogs, maybe if you really love having people like, you know, get hot food, that's great. But (laughs) um, I'm really passionate about really exploring like what it is that you want to do and then figuring out how to monetize them, right? Because anybody can 
make a couple extra dollars selling clothes uh, that they're, you know, getting rid of or repurposing furniture or things like that. What I want people to think about is what is it that you would do for free? Because that's where your passion lies. And then let's figure out how to monetize that. So some of the things that I like to tell people to do is first off, make a list of your skills. You have skills that you've learned throughout your career, maybe on your free time, you read, you watch YouTube videos, you take classes on things. What are things that you love to do and you would genuinely want to share with people? Once you have that list, I would say narrow it down to one or two things that you can see yourself spending a lot of time on. Because when I'm talking about side hustles, I'm talking about building legitimate businesses. And so that's going to take time and you have to be committed. Anyone who has a successful business will tell you that the only thing that keeps you going is your goals, your why, like, why are you doing this? And the consistency that is required to make something. Yeah, you got to want it. You You have have to to want want it. And you have to know what the end goal is. If you're just kind of working with no point, no purpose, no strategy, it's going to be really hard to even measure if you're being successful. So once you have those one or two things, I say you now have to be like a beta tester. So if you work in tech, you got to find your audience, right? You got to figure out like who's going to want this product. Talk to your friends and family. Talk to people that you know in your circle that maybe have asked questions about these types of topics. Maybe they already follow people that are doing what you potentially want to do and ask them like, would you pay for the service? How much would you pay? What would you want to get from somebody who's selling this service or this product and start testing it out because you want to make sure that you're like investing time into something that has viability. Now I will say, you know, a lot of people get intimidated because in the world of social media, it can feel like every market is saturated and everybody's already doing all the things. But just always remember that like nobody's going to be able to resonate how you do with people. You are your own unique person and you can be talking about the same topic as everybody else, but you're going to present it in the way that is authentic to you. And people are going to resonate with that. The right people are going to resonate with that. So let's just stop thinking that we have nothing to contribute to the conversation because that's how you you kill your dreams before you even start. Exactly. Because I was going to say the beta test step is where a lot of people are like, ah, then the comparison, then they're like, ah, it's already out there. It's done. But you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And then once you have that and you have a little bit of like validation behind your idea, yo, just start doing it and start doing consistently. That's so important, right? Like when I was thinking about the podcast, I'm like, I need a set schedule. I need to have a posting schedule. I need to have a clear message. I want to understand like how I want people to feel when they're interacting with my brand. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot, y'all. You got to think about Mm -hmm. a lot of things, but you also have to remember that you can evolve as a business and a brand. You're not stuck in your first idea. Your first logo doesn't have to be your last. Your color scheme can change. Even your messaging can change. So you have to understand who your audience is, but you first have to understand like why you want to do this and in what format you're going to package this gift of yours. Yes. And I think your blog is such a prime example because you've been doing it for so long. And I'm sure in the beginning, it didn't feel like a side hustle, right? <laughs> like no, it and was- it was a hot mess, girl. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I had no niche. I had no direction. I had mm-hmm. no game plan. I didn't know what I was doing. I, had, I was taking pictures with my like iPhone 5 of like random things that I would cook had no writing skills, no food photography skills. And those are just all things that I've built over time. 
some as simple as literally going on other blogs and seeing like how they plate food. So if I was going to plate this same type of recipe, looking at pictures and then just trying. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And now is that, correct me if I'm wrong, is that your like most profitable, I don't know if that's the right word, uh, side hustle? Yeah, that's literally what funds all the other side hustles. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. And you guys, Janice is sharing all of her, like she shares real dollars on her Instagram account. Like, I don't know if it's every month or every, like you just are always sharing the honest truth. Like, look at, look at how much I made this month. Like, look at how much, you know, like you see it. Like she, go, go check out her page, Yo Quiero Dinero podcast um, on Instagram. She also has a website, but go check it out and you'll see, follow her and you'll see it pop up on your feed. Um, because you're always sharing that. And that's so interesting because it's such an inside look of yeah. what you do. Um, cause we only see the outside. We only see like the, you know, the, the, everything you're sharing, but it's really, it's cool. I think it's important for my audience to know that like, I'm never going to try to teach you about something that I don't know. Yeah. So if I'm going to teach you how to build side hustles. It's because y'all like I've done it. I've done yeah. it multiple times. I know how to monetize when we're talking about digital businesses. I know how to create content that's going to resonate with people. I mean, mm -hmm. we had a hundred followers in January and we're like 50 ah! followers away from 10,000 and it's not even the end of the year. Where are we with time? We're almost at time. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, I'm never going to teach you what I don't know how to do. And yeah. so it's important for me to also normalize this idea that Latinas can be wealthy AF and like, mm -hmm. let's not be ashamed of that. Yeah. Because white people out here talking about how much money they got all the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Can I ask you one more question? I know yeah. we're, we're tight on time, but how, what do you think the, your shift was in growing such a, well, I, I mean, I could clearly see from the outside, you're hustling, you're working hard, right? Like that is clear. Mm -hmm. um, you're definitely working hard, but did, was there any mind shifts, mindset shifts that you made in the last year in terms of your marketing growth, in terms of getting the word out there about your podcast and growing so quickly. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I say quickly and I say that with, with knowing the lot of work you've done. Okay. Yeah. But in terms of your mindset, what, what mindsets have helped you grow your show? And I'm talking marketing promotion, um, followers, awareness, yeah. So I think it's twofold. One, I accepted the fact that I can't do everything myself and I hired my first uh, 1099 employee this year mm -hmm. to handle things like social media because it's something that can bog you down so much that it really stifles your creativity as a brand builder. Um, I wanted to be thinking about strategy. I want to be thinking about long-term yes. growth. I want to be thinking about what, like, how am I going to represent this brand as Janice? And Janice cannot be doing Instagram posts eight hours a day. I can think about what I want to communicate. And then my assistant, I'm like, go, you build it. I'll approve it. Let's go. Because I'm out here doing talks and workshops and being the face of the brand. That's what I yeah. need to do. And then another thing too, is just like, I had to believe that I was the authority, even if I didn't have the backing to support that. Right. So mm -hmm. I had to go into a space, super confident. There's a lot of really smart people in the personal finance space. And if I was going to insert myself into the conversation, I had to be unique and authentic to myself and my message, find out what was going to make me stand out and not be afraid to own that. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so from with that has come the recognition, has come the free press. We just got featured in BuzzFeed. So I'm just like, clearly somebody cares about what we're doing. And I'm not out here reaching out to publications to put us on their platforms. It's a result of coming and showing up authentically and Mm -hmm. just being real. Like there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. That is so beautiful. And it's a hundred percent clear. Like we see it. It's, you know, that's why people gravitate towards you. It is such a freaking beautiful thing. And I really, really love that you shared that you got help. Like you don't build dope shit without help guys. Absolutely not. That is not (laughs) the goal. Yeah. Like it's, it's not all like, we just literally can't do it all. Can you, I'm sure, but you might not have your mental health at the end of the day. I I would say you can't because I've seen the way that my podcast has grown compared to my blog and my blog has kind of really taken a back burner just because of everything else that's going on. But if I had invested that same mentality into the blog, it could probably even be bigger at this point. Yeah. But I was still convinced that like, nah, I'm good. I don't need to be like Instagram famous. I don't need to invest money in doing these things. But there's just, uh, there's only a certain capacity that you can maintain yeah. as a single person doing all these things. And so it's okay to let go and think bigger. Yeah. You know what? Thank you, Janice. Because I feel like I needed to hear that as a mom. I have help, but I have them helping working on other stuff but now I'm like I needed to hear that from you thank you well, I'm glad <laughs> I appreciate you um okay where can we find you yeah so if you want to follow the food blog it's delish delights and it's d-l-i-t-e-s dot com a lot of good delicious recipes on there if you cook them please make sure to share I would love to find out that you're making my food and if you want to find out more about the podcast, easiest thing to do is go to yoquerodineropodcast.com. There's all the social on there. And uh, I would love to have you subscribe and uh, listen to the podcast. Yeah, you guys go listen to the podcast. She always, she was, one, she has amazing guests. And two, I love that you have like your questions that you're always asking all of them because we get so much insight of like how different everyone's story is Mm -hmm. in terms of how they grew wealth or how they like started creating this business or whatever the case is. So go check it out. Kat's going to be on the show. So you should probably listen, (laughs) (laughs) but go check it out right, right now. I appreciate you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you did, do me a solid, screenshot this episode, put it on your IG stories and tag us both. You could find Janice at Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and you could find me at Cat Doll Carmen on Instagram. So thank you again so, so much. And if you want to learn more about Janice, go check out her Instagram, Yo Quiero Dinero or her website. She has tons of resources on teaching folks about money and how to make money. So I hope you enjoy it. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time.